I could probably request that every week. Uh, I love that song. All right, so as they uh, make their way to the uh, table, wherever they're going to sit, um, we have our reader today, which is Carrie, and she's going to read us this passage from the Gospel, Mark chapter 6, something, 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 and uh, buckle your seatbelts. It's a very dangerous text. If you get uncomfortable as she reads it, it's fully appropriate for you to. So take it away, Carrie. Okay. Am I on? Uh, she on. Hello, hello. Hello. Thinking about it. I can probably talk loud enough. Oh, there you sorry. go. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all the things that they had done and taught. And then Jesus said to them, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. After they crossed the lake, they landed at Gesenaset. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. Okay, I told you it was a very dangerous text. Y'all doing okay? Nobody freaking out? I don't see any people crying yet. All right, yet. All right, it's coming. <laughs> the longer I go, the more we guarantee there will be tears today. <laughs> it's a dangerous text for some peculiar reasons. This text challenges some of our theological suppositions, even if we don't know it. In fact, some of the things that this text brings up challenge some long-held theological positions that were written about centuries ago by people who have informed the way we think today about God, about the Bible, about faith, the whole thing. And let me just point out a couple of these things as we go. Uh, one of the cool things that we see here is, um, you know, Jesus says to the boys, we've worked a really long time. We haven't even had a chance to eat. We need to rest. So just like we see God doing in, this, in the story of creation and Genesis chapter 1, Jesus says, rest is appropriate. And so we're going to break away for some time to breathe, to recoup, to get some rest. Which means, my friends, you and I need to do the same. Uh, in America, we celebrate and we champion workaholism and go, 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 go until you flat out poop out. That is not the way of God. That's not the rhythm of Jesus. So listen to what God through Jesus is saying here. He's saying to the guys, it is God's will, if you will, to break away to a quiet place where we can rest. That is the will of God, my friends. Let's go. 
And so they make their way there, and wouldn't you know it, but people come and screw up God's will. <laughs> people figure out where he's going, and they, they stop what Jesus is going to do. That's theological problem number one. God's will was clearly, we are going to rest. That is the will of God. Let's go do that. And then what happens? People show up. They have their own ideas out of their need and their desire and their desperation. And what happens to God's will? God's will changes. That's the theological problem that we see, verse, or the first one that we see. Because we hold as a truth that God is unchanging, that God is one who, once God says this is the way it is, that's the way it is. And yet right here, and there are actually many cases of this uh, in the Bible, right now we see here was a will, and that will changed. God becomes a changing, responsing entity in the moment. And while this may not seem all that dramatic to you, let it sit a while, because sometimes we don't even know uh, what is messing with us and what's going on internally until we slow down long enough to think about it and see it. And a second thing is like it, uh, which again, because we are so comfortable with our Jesus, our good buddy Jesus, that we don't even recognize the power of what is happening. So God's will changes. He goes to rest. He doesn't get to rest. Hopefully he had a power bar or something, you know, to get him through. And what does he do? He sees the people and there's an interesting word he uses. That word is he had compassion on them. Now this word compassion in Greek is meaningful and deep. I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus had pity on them. That just thought, oh, these poor schmucks. Uh, they need, they had two hours of my teaching, but it wasn't enough. So this is a curtain call. I'm coming back out. Uh, I'll give you 15 more minutes, one more song. Here you go, everybody. Uh, and then go on your separate ways. Please, please. That's all I can do. This isn't pity. This isn't a let them eat cake kind of a thing either. This is compassion. And the way this reads uh, in Greek <laughs> is it talks about having this come from the deepest places within you. That's how deeply you're feeling it. To be specific, he is saying that the feeling of this compassion, of this care for the people, came from none other than his bowels. <laughs> it's that deep within him. That, I'm not kidding. That's what the language refers to. He felt it in his bowels. It was so deep. He was moved. <laughs> Maybe we should. All right. Dial that one back a little bit. He was deeply moved by his, his love for the people. His compassion moved him to do something. And that's what we have to honor and respect. And again, you might think, I know, we come to Crosswalk, we hear all the time how much God loves everybody. This is not news, Pete. This is not earth shattering. Why would you think otherwise? And the reason is that there are people in our theological heritage who believe that since God cannot be changed or affected by creation, the creator cannot be affected by the creation. It's just the way things are set up. That means that the creation cannot have an effect on the one who is creator. Meaning, God cannot really have compassion for us. 
God cannot really feel for us or love us because to be affected by us is to be changed. And that's a theological problem. You understand? But what do we see here? We see Jesus who clearly is embodied with the spirit of God. Things are happening in his life regardless of how you think about who he is and how all that stuff works out, the reality is this guy's got a lot of God working in him, however you figure that out. And what we're seeing in this guy who's got a lot of God at work in him is deep compassion, love for all these people, even though he's tired and grumpy and hangry, probably. He has compassion. And that gives us a lot of hope. It's, it's kind of like Jesus is saying to all these people, I really do love you. And to prove it, I want to give you a friendship bracelet. So he hands out his version of a friendship bracelet, whatever that might be, which is why I wanted you to have one today. So at least for today, when you're looking at this thing on your wrist or if you're holding it in your lap or whatever, you would know that that invitation is still there from God, that God's heartbeat for us is, I really want to be your friend. And that is not insignificant because a true friendship goes both ways. True friendship means, uh, like with me and you, that what you go through affects me. And what we're seeing here in Jesus is a great truth of God, that God is not as some theologians have thought, this great distant other who stays away from the created order, but actually this God is deeply with us in powerful ways. In fact, in the birth narrative of Jesus, he's to be called Emmanuel, God with us fully. There's a fancy word um, called panentheism. Panentheism is not pantheism, that's a different thing, but panentheism simply says that God is really everywhere at all times. You've heard it called omnipresence, but this is a little deeper than that. This panentheism suggests that God is actually so with us that every part of us God is actually with, inhabiting life with us absolutely fully, that we are immersed in the presence of God whether or not we even know it at all times, that we cannot not be. That's what I think Jesus is getting at. I think that's what he taught. Um, and that means something pretty powerful for when we have the idea that God is with us, because it means that when it comes to pain, that is a very meaningful statement. So we're going to mess around a little bit today, and this could get, uh, could get a little weird, but I like weird, so let's do that. All right, Chris, you up for being a helper today? This is not a great challenge. Uh, I need you to hold on to that pretty well. And um, I don't want you to throw the ball of yarn, but can you point at somebody that way? We're going to end up making a web. Who would you like to have this? And you can just point at somebody if you don't know their name for sure. Brian Morell. Okay. We got it. Okay, Brian, start thinking. Uh, who can you throw this at? 
Everybody watch your coffee, by the way. <laughs> this could get messy. All right, Brian, who's next? Black pants. Pants. Oh, okay. Very good. They're not, but I'm with you. All right. Jakota? Jakota. All right. You up for this, Jakota? All right, up for the challenge. Oh man, this is way more fun than the fireside room was. This All right, who's next? Oh man, all right, you're making me work. Okay, cool with that. Here we go, Lee. Oh, okay, very good. Full circle. Do we have enough? Hope we have enough yarn. Okay. Bruce, this is coming to you, baby. And we're going to end it with you because that makes sense. All right. So we're going to give that to you. You just hold on to this. I'm going to hold on to the ball. Look all your puppies over. Okay. So what we're seeing here about the love of God is this, is that when God uh, is with us, when we have pain, it's like we trigger our part of the string. Now you can imagine uh, if, if this really worked, if this was perfect, and we had enough tension on this thing, I could keep pulling this and it could get tighter and tighter and tighter. And every single one of you would feel my pain. Does that make sense? All of you would feel it. My pain would affect everybody else around the web. And in fact, it does. Because one of the things that we know more and more and more is how much we are more connected than not connected. Our pain does affect everybody else around the web. And what we're seeing here from Jesus and his compassion is that Jesus really does feel the pain of the people with him. Now, just want you to have your mind blown for a second. If God is God, and if God is everywhere all the time, if the panentheism is a real thing, which I believe it is, if that omnipresence means that to a cellular level with every single person on the planet, God is with all of them, then that means that our huge yarn ball web thing, that God is with every point along the way. Every time somebody hurts, that affects somebody else. But guess who feels it more than anybody? If God is everywhere at all times, it means that God feels every one of those points of pain. God is fully in touch with the pain of the people, the suffering and the joys for that matter. That is a mind blower. Just let that sit for a moment. What impact that would be in the mind of God and how much care there would be. It starts to make some scriptures make sense about the whole earth groaning <laughs> as in child uh, bearing pains. Uh, this is what God feels regularly all over the world all of the time. That's really profound. All right, you people have to hold on to this thing for the rest of the sermon, by the way. Sorry about that. So what do we have here? We have, we have something very interesting taking place here. We have Jesus, who is definitely a conduit at most of the Holy Spirit of God, and he is showing that from a gut level, uh, he is compassionate, which means God is compassionate and feeling all the way around. And God is extending this friendship bracelet thing also made out of yarn so that we would know that we're loved. 
But that's not, that would be enough of a sermon right there, just to rest on and think about. But I think there might even be more to consider because it's not the only character involved in the story. You have the people who are here and these people play a role in what transacts. It's not a transaction like the people came and they paid, got, you know, paid for their ticket and so they got the extra teaching or they got the healing. That's not what I mean. But, but maybe what we need to recognize is that just as we recognize that we're all connected in different ways and God is sort of the grandest connector of all of that, that because we have a connection, not one of us is benign on anything that happens in the world or what happens between us and God. We play a role and what happens between us and God. It takes nothing away from God to say that we play a part in this. And so I, I wonder if you could imagine, and, and this is evidence in the text, these people want to know more. They're desperate to know more about what Jesus is saying about God, so what do they do? They interrupt his vacation <laughs> because they want to know more. They show up. And later on, when he goes to the other side of the lake and he goes around to different villages, what do they do? They take their part. They don't, they don't just hang back wherever they were and think, well, maybe Jesus will show up one of these days. No, it was their faith that motivated them uh, to go to wherever they needed to go to get to Jesus so that Jesus' could, spirit could flow out and find healing. There is a dance involved. We play a role in our own health. We play a role in our own well-being and in the well-being of the world. So let me help you unpack this a little bit about what this might look like. Because if one person, again, if one person chooses to go in faith and gives a little tug on that, again, in theory, that is going to impact other things all around the way. Some of us might wonder, uh, how is it then that we don't see more healing in the world? If God is always about healing, which I think that's a true tenet of God. God is about shalom, with shalom, toward shalom, the whole thing, which is this deep well-being, this, this peace, this harmony between all people. That is the number one characteristic in the Jewish tradition about who God is, which involves love. But if, if God is not a God that forces God's self on us, but that is an uncontrolling kind of a love, that we have a choice in what we're going to do, that is necessarily going to make an impact on how much healing we might actually see. So let's talk about a best case scenario. I will leave this ball of yarn in my Birkenstock and I will be your patient. And I'm going to be way over here so I don't mess up the whole web. Okay, so let's say I am the patient and uh, I'm seeking healing. So what is the role that I play as the patient seeking healing? Well, let's think of the ideal situation. The ideal situation is that first of all, I want it. I actually want to be made more well, and I want to be in tune with the one who says he can make me more well. So I want to be aligned with God. I want to be attuned to the very presence of God, and not just intellectually, but I mean my whole self. This is the Greek uh, understanding of believing, that it's intellectual, it's gut, so it's gut belief, and it actually works with your hands and feet. You do something with it. It's supposed to be this this constant in motion thing of believing, feeling, and doing together. That's what belief is. And so let's say I'm all about that. And I'm all aligned so that I can hear the Spirit of God nudge me to do things that are healthy and to stop doing things that are not healthy for me, be it physically, emotionally, or what have you. So let's say I'm struggling with an ulcer, which I'm not, but let's say that I am. 
But every morning I start my day by taking three lemons off of my tree, squeezing them, drinking it down as fast as I can, followed by three shots of hot sauce, just because it seems like a good idea. Now, that's a terrible idea for somebody who is suffering from an ulcer. Is that right? So because I want healing and well-being, I'm open to the presence of God who tells me, stop the lemon thing and stop the hot sauce thing. Just eat toast for a while, right? And so I'm listening to that. So that puts me in a place where I'm more open to being healed. Now, let's say it's not just about me, but I live in community. And so the, my friends and family who are around me and love me, let's say best case scenario, also are sensing the presence of God and going after the presence. Of so they're wondering, how can we Pete in his health by making sure his microphone is working? That's how we can do that. Uh, so um, they're wondering, and they're looking out for me, and they're reading articles, and they're listening to people and listening for the nudge of God. And when they see me in the morning go out to grab lemons, they slap my hand <laughs> to tell me, stop that because they love and care for me. So now I have a healing, supportive environment that wants me to be well, and they're willing to do whatever it takes for me to be well. Now I go to my medical professionals. So now I have a doctor and nurses and other care providers who are all looking uh, out for my well-being. And let's say they are fully aligned and fully attuned for the Spirit of God so that they're able to do whatever they got to do to make Pete well. And that could be they're looking at my chart and they're checking out this MRI. And any other day, they might be too busy. They might have just kind of glossed over. But there was this one little nudge that they experienced from the very Spirit of God that said, pay attention to the corner of that picture right there, because that could be deeply meaningful. And so they choose to pause, and they look at that thing, or they read this paragraph that gives them information about how I'm really doing. And so they're more apt to sense whether or not I need the kind of treatment that I need because they choose to be a and align. You with me so far? Okay. Now let's say that we live in a, a culture uh, that makes sure that Pete can actually get the kind of care that he deserves. So it's accessible. I can get it. I can meet the doctors that I need to, and it's all good. Now let's say, let's go a little further. So, so the culture is spiritually attuned for my well-being and for everybody's well-being. Now we get a little bit deeper, and now we take a look at other issues that would maybe restrict care. So we're looking at the color of my skin now and asking the question, is it possible over time that the color of a person's skin makes it more or less likely that they're going to receive medical attention, which we know is a variable. So let's say that's wiped out because we're so aware of this reality that we want to make sure that every really, really everybody gets the care that they deserve. Now let's back it up one more. Let's say I'm not even an American now. So now I'm somewhere in a third world country where I'm extremely poor. I've got nothing, no hope for medical care. But because we're talking in this ideal situation where the spirit of God is moving and shaping absolutely everything, now we're recognizing that even in third world countries where people don't have any money to go to the doctor and very little access, now that's all changed because we live in a different world where all of a sudden everybody really does have access all that. And let's go one step further. I'm going to be on the Highway 12 here in just a minute. So let's say uh, that now we live in an environment that we want to make sure that the creation itself is actually going to sustain health. So not only are we just worried about Pete and whatever uh, Pete's accessibility is and his skin color and his poverty level, but we actually want to look at the creation itself and is the creation itself sustaining health for Pete, our patient. All these things together. And there are probably some other things I'm not thinking about right now. But I hope you understand, if all of these things are working together 
And if God is working with us and for us and through us, is it possible? Is it more likely that we're going to see wellness and healing happening in me when all of these things are in are congruent with the very healing spirit of God? Yes, of course, of course, because God is not working apart from us. It actually goes against part of the character and nature of God. But if the character and nature of God is uncontrolling love, where God is influencing all the time, when everybody is being influenced all the time and responding to that, amazing things can happen. So much so that you would even say, that's a miracle. But now think of this landscape. And by the way, the amazing things that could happen are just like our, our ball of yarn thing. You affect one thing positively that it gets all kinds of things going positively. But then I want you to think about what if, what if part of the whole chain, what if part of the whole thing isn't there or is absolutely defiant or doesn't want to hear it or is too slow to see or is not listening for the nudge of God? What if I keep sneaking my lemons and my hot sauce every morning, but pretending that I'm, that I'm, that I'm not doing all that? We have the capacity to not just affect ourselves, but everybody else who's connected around. We have the capacity to welcome more of the Spirit of God and healing and the kinds of things that we saw happening in Jesus, and we have the capacity to limit it as well, because none of our lives are benign in a connected world. Does that make sense? So the love of God uh, is not a benign thing either, and as much as we wish God would come in and just wave a magic wand and make it all better. That's just not the character and nature of God. It's not who God is. And in fact, God can't do that. There are a lot of God can'ts in the Bible. This is one of them. If we really have free will, if we really believe we have choice in the matter, there are things God can't do. God can't force you to accept the friendship. Which leads me to an invitation that I think is always before us from God. You all got a friendship bracelet. <laughs> None of you asked for it. I doubt if any of you woke up today thinking, gosh, I sure hope Pete provides friendship bracelets today. Maybe I could call ahead and dial that in. None of you did that. Some of you may not have even wanted a friendship bracelet. You're like, Why do I, what am I going to do with this? Now I'm stuck with this. And it's going to sit in my drawer, and it's going to be tomorrow's garage sale item, right? And that's the way it is with God's friendship, is we have a choice in the matter. I believe the friendship of God is with us and available to us all the time. It's always extended. The, the friendship bracelet is always there. But there's something for us to do with that. Will we accept the friendship? Will we embrace what this thing means? And that really is a choice. And it is not one that is benign. When we choose to say, I am open uh, to the will of God, I am open to the friendship, it changes us, which brings up prayer. Sometimes we wonder, should we even bother praying? Does it have any effect at all? Of course it does. Think about what we're seeing here and what we're talking about. You know what happens when you pray? At a minimum, what happens is you are opening yourself up to the very presence of God so that you will be changed, and you will be. 
if you are more receptive to God, and that changes your demeanor, it changes your stance, it changes your receptivity all the way through, it affects everybody else around you. And just like we've seen with every other example, when it affects one thing, it doesn't just affect you, it affects every other person around the web. Somehow, some way that we cannot understand, but the God who is connected to all of us and in this and working in it surely does and surely is able to work with that. It's one of the greatest, easiest thing, easiest in air quotes, easiest things we can do is to pray. I don't mean prayer like prayers that, you know, we're taught as children that don't mean anything. Uh, you know, we used to have a prayer at dinner time when I was growing up that, you know, we, we basically said it, the words were right, but we basically said it because we could get through it really fast <laughs> and get to our burger. And it wasn't a deeply meaningful experience. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, that heart wrenching. I really am open to you, God, wanting, praying for my loved one, praying for myself, praying for the world, whatever that thing is. When we do that, we affect change. We really do. Are you familiar with uh, what an escape room is? Maybe you know what an escape room is? There are these things uh, made to torture people. Not really. Uh, they're there for entertainment, but there's one in Napa. At least there was. I don't know if it's still open. Uh, but it is a, it's a room you willingly choose, even pay <laughs> to go in. You're, you're put in this room with a group of friends, and you're given some instructions about, okay, if you're really freaking out, we'll let you out. Uh, but, for the, but other than that, you're on your own. And they leave you in this room, which could look like a living room or something like that. And they lock the door behind them. So you are locked in a room for an hour. And it is your job to figure out how to find the key to get out of the room. There are no, there's no nothing. You just have to start looking around the room and seeing things that might give you a clue about something that could lead you to something else. And as you find one puzzle of sorts and solve that puzzle, it kind of leads you to another puzzle to figure out. And it helps explain this puzzle over here that you didn't know what that had to do with anything else. And slowly and surely, you end up solving 10 or 12 puzzles. And that final puzzle is the one that leads you to the key that helps you open the door and get out. Some people are amazing at this. And they're out of that room in under 10 minutes where it takes me 59, 59 minutes and 59 seconds if I'm lucky. But some people are able to do it quickly because their eyes have been formed to see it. When we choose to pray, when we choose to be aligned and attuned with the very presence of God, seeking healing, seeking the better world, it is as if we are giving God more to work with in this escape room to escape from our pain, to escape from our not understanding. And by the way, that not understanding, you know, when the first thing Jesus did in this story, he didn't do more healing, he did more teaching. Sometimes I wonder if having our minds enlightened, having paradigm breakthroughs is just as hard, if not harder, than actual physical healing. So when we choose to say yes to God's friendship and yes to prayer and yes to being open, we're giving God another tool to use to help us escape out of our pain. So I don't know how this intersects with you today, 
But if you're a human being, I'm guessing something in here does. And I'm wondering, do you know uh, that God is affected by you and your pain? Do you know that God feels with you and actually cares? That this friendship thing is more than a gimmick. It's, it's legit. And it's always there no matter what. It was there for David. He outdid you in terms of his reckless living, <laughs> guaranteed. But this friendship's for everybody. Do you then also sense the invitation from God to believe that that is true, to believe that the friendship is there, to embrace it and actually start living as if that friendship was real? Because that is what is before us today. And maybe you've Maybe you've grown cold in that, and I understand there are a lot of reasons why you would, and a lot of them have to do with disappointment and pain and suffering. Where was God and all that? I get that, but the cool thing about God is the invitation's always there anyway, but maybe today is a, a day where something starts to break loose, and that gives healing an opportunity, not just with you, but by everybody else. That you're affected with. It gives God an opportunity to do something with you because you've said yes enough, even to inch forward. Maybe for you, it's time to go all in, and you've treated faith like this thing that is just sort of an accessory to your life and hasn't really been all that meaningful, but you're hearing today, maybe for the first time, that this friendship thing really is a meaningful thing that is going to speak to your life, and so maybe today you really tighten up the friendship bracelet and you say, I'm in, man. I'm in. I want to see where this is going to go. If, if, if Jesus is sort of a model of what this could look like, I want more of that. Let's see what can happen when, when God has that to work with. That's all I got. And so I want to spend some time with you in prayer and then uh, let some silence happen let you do whatever you need to do with God, and then uh, we'll have a benediction together. That sound good? All right, let's pray together. So God, uh, we want to offer you silence. Silence for us to think. Silence so that we have room for you to speak and room for us to hear. Minds that are open, hearts that are soft. What are you inviting us into today, God? God, I believe you are constantly at work motivated out of uncontrolling love. You can't help yourself. It's who you are. And so I believe that we are all constantly invited to take another step toward love, toward depth, toward healing, toward understanding. And that together when we do that, we, we usher in more of who you are into this world that so desperately needs you. So may we be your agents. May we be courageous enough to accept your friendship. I mean, really accept it. And allow your spirit to lead us, to guide us, to nudge us, to direct us, to 
heal us, to strengthen us, to soothe us, to feed us, to enlighten us. As much as we're able, God, we say to you, we're in. May you and this incredible complex network, ball of yarn thing, may you do wonderful things because we've said yes. And may you alone receive the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to end today, I'd like us to uh, read out loud together the serenity prayer of St. Francis. So uh, I won't make you stand because that'll screw up our web, and I don't know how that's all going to work <laughs> when we're out here. could be a big mess. But let us say this, uh, this benediction together out loud. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is darkness, oops, hope, thank you. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thanks for coming today. I hope you had a good experience and we will see you next week. We have a treat for you next week. Jenny Matheny is going to be in the house. She is a dynamic speaker and an Old Testament PhD professor uh, at a seminary in the Kansas City area. Also happens to be Karen Kenny's daughter. And I'm going to be at a conference. So she's, uh, she's swinging for me and it's going to be awesome. So you're going to want to come back and hear her. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next week.